Um, <laughs> unless we have any further uh, bullshit to get out of our systems, uh, I'm ready to commit murder. Let's see. Um, I'm ready to commit murder. Um, a woman at work called in t- today to say that she was annoyed that teachers were getting the vaccine. Um, that's that's where I'm at mentally. I'm <laughs> at being in my body when I heard somebody say that to me. I mean, uh, yeah. What what are teachers now? Exactly. God, have you seen that clip where like Joe Biden tells a child that oh children are not affected by COVID, you don't have to worry when you go back to school, well, and then Libs were like celebrating that he's being such a good dad. Oh my God, I, I, it, it killed me because like listen, like early on early on they were like kids are not a big vector for covid right people who are getting covid are really it's not from kids it's from fucking you know everyone being forced to go to work and you know see each other there it's like these like you know hot zones or whatever and over like months like lib brain has been like ah kids can't get covid what well, like it's like what the fuck are you talking about like that is that is not even close to what was said originally uh it's just Once like you turn 18 you um develop more weaknesses yeah. Um, and suddenly the virus can get inside. Yeah, yeah it's um, like uh, it's like the the ugly's pretty specials universe. Like when you turn mm-hmm. sixteen, you go for the surgery, and the surgery also makes you uh, vulnerable to to COVID. Um, imagine so. imagine thinking like early on. Remember, like you had to like wash your fucking groceries down. Like and, like some rem- imagine thinking that like your paper bag from the grocery store could give you COVID, but your fucking seven year old kid couldn't. <laughs> like, uh-huh. my, my seven-year-old kid is just super, super strong. Yeah, um, I, my seven-year-old kid takes a lot of um, vitamins and also eats his petty falu. So he's got strong bones and strong brains. My child and eats he Vegemite. simply would not catch a disease. My child eats Vegemite and drinks milk, and that's it. And they are more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's out of my system. Okay, great. Time to podcast. to do some murder i've decided oh, i love murder i love murder <laughs> welcome to the true crime podcast birth killer <laughs> listen that's i put it under true crime it's it's on itunes now we're on yeah. itunes written review us um spell is under improv now which is very funny for a, for our most scripted thing that we do yeah <laughs> there, there, there's um uh, one of my favorite podcasts is a lab all lawyers are bastards and they have one of one of the guys on there has like a running bit where he's just like dude's fucking rock like he'll read some like just despicable shit that some like judge like judge sent like some porn to a clerk or something and just like absolute piece of shit person and it was like dude's fucking rock uh yeah. and this 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 rock. whole section we read today it just kept playing like when bast and chronicler and quotes are like are talking i was just like dude's fucking rock <laughs> This really is just sort of a win for the for the men today. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, also, I don't think we've introduced ourselves in two episodes. I'm I'm Sarah. <laughs> um, don't f- fellas, dudes who rock. Don't you just love to start a podcast with people and then halfway through decide to change your name? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
so I'm coming in as Robin, uh, with a Y for the edginess, but also that's just my name. So where's the where's the Y? Um, there's three silent ones at the beginning, and then one before the end. <laughs> Is it? That's I'm sure that's just how Welsh works. <laughs> yeah, Robin, famously Welsh. Yeah, exactly. This is a Welsh accent. <laughs> I'm Summer. <laughs> uh, I'm Janos. I'm Daniel. Sick. Um, I have a. I have yes. a. I have a bit as part of my summary for these chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I'm now the bit is going to need some kind of some input, maybe some hand claps, some like maybe some vo- some like vocalizations. <laughs> Is okay. this like a play along at home thing where like the, the, the viewers are gonna have to clap along? I, I, I would love for the viewers and listeners to clap along. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm freaked out by the idea of viewers. Uh, <laughs> 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 this is an audio medium, but okay, yeah. I guess the readers, the fellow quoth killers, mm-hmm. we are all committing <laughs> crime together. That's true. Okay, so this week in these chapters. Okay, I'll listen. It doesn't really work with the sync, but I will edit this so we're all clapping perfectly in time. Uh-huh. Anyway, that was mostly what happened. <laughs> I think what you can also do is just like leave it silent and then it's just like an interactive thing. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Uh, other things that happened this week were both continued to turn up the dial on the harass Ambrose function, resulting in some hijinks such as Ambrose becoming his landlord so he could evict him, also trying to have him assassinated, stuff like that. Both continues to harass him anyway. Um, apart from that, nothing really happens. Kvothe uh, hangs out at the Aeolian a bunch, she works at the fishery, uh, saves Bella from a workplace accident. Bloody bloody blah, at the end of the section, uh, Pat decides to advance the plot and throws something about the Chandrian in that, but we'll talk about it next week. That's I'm, I'm, it. Sorry, I, I'm sorry, the, the who? The the Blue Man group. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, yeah, that's right. Sorry, I, 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 I forgot about them. Okay, yeah, that's right. Um, But this is not an OSHA compliant chapter. Yeah. Uh, Dana does not comply with OSHA regulations. Uh, mm. She's a hazard to Women all of our her. health. Well, she's a hazard to all... Well, I guess, yeah, everybody's health. I was going to say just women, but yeah. apparently she ruins men as well. Even the 30-year-old ones. Christ. <laughs> Do we want to start with that section, which is sort of... The, I literally... Before we start anything, I just want... There you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I just there's pre-things. Uh, to ruin the, the illusion for our listeners, uh, we just dropped the, the intro episode, uh, and I listened to it again. Uh, our aspirations um, for, for for reading this book, and mm-hmm. I was so I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, there's going to be bad women stuff. We're gonna we're gonna look at that. I want to look at class. I want to look at religion. <laughs> no, fucking, it's just it's just it's just women shit. Like it's like that's like you, you can't read this novel without going back to like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about, right? And, and it, it, yeah. I'm sure there's other parts to it, but it really like I I apologize, listeners. I really I really do for for lying to you early on of what I was interested in looking at but like i i can only read about sexy ears for so many paragraphs before i like stop and like go okay yeah. like I, I, this is definitely the section where i was just like okay i don't remember it being like this uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus I, 
<laughs> like I was reading these chapters on like on Friday and like on Friday night I I finally reached a chapter so bad I literally put the book down and went to bed because <laughs> I just I was like I can't handle this. It's too much. <laughs> it's a lot. Um and that was chapter 69 which I guess is appropriate. Um it's it's the least nice. <laughs> That it's like my least enthusiastic nice. Like, oh, yeah. like oh, nice. Mm, yeah. <laughs> nice. We'll get to that. I guess before we get to everything else, um, we 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 uh, learn what the seven words are that make any woman love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carry on. Uh, and, and no, it's Sarah. You suggested this that we all come up with our own. Okay, seven words. excellent. Let's start out with the second yeah. then. Um, so I I came up I came up with two. So. I've, I've got two as well. Um, I got one. So um, <laughs> the first of my seven words that I think will make a l- woman love me are the words I will like and retweet your posts. Oh, oh, that's a good one. That is a really good I'll one. Do it. Are you guys loving me yet? I, I'm getting that. Getting if, if it's like a sort of um, scale between zero and ten, I'm like a, I'm like a six. Okay. Mm. I mean, I'm not a woman, and I, it's just simply impossible <laughs> to understand what goes on in a female's brain. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can't judge if if it works or not. I I, I, had, a, I had a good friend of mine who who uh, I took some I took some classes around and things and whenever she'd come across like shit like this in literature for like just like the oh, I don't understand the woman's brain and we like we have a conversation about it she would just go man women be shopping though and just like <laughs> and I just uh, uh, women be shopping you know that's just the whole it's Dana what, how can you understand mm-hmm. it Dana be shopping exactly Dana be shopping I just thought the thing of is that uh, women be shopping. Uh, I've just thought of one to seven words to make a guy fall for Okay. Mm-hmm. If I can just throw that one out into the... Are Please. we feeling receptive? Uh, yes. Um, okay. The seven words to make any guy fall in love with you. Mm-hmm. Man, door, hand, cook, <laughs> car, dude, rock. <laughs> sounds like a cheat code. Like... <laughs> If you say that like five times fast, you can run through walls. <laughs> Some CIA style. I... Mm. Now I- imagine this. Um, I'm approaching you. Oh, you're approaching me. And this is going to be the me? first thing I say. Okay. You got any games on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I just fell in love. <laughs> yeah, I got Kim uh... Kardashian Hollywood. Oh hey yeah. That's six words. Uh, you. There you go. The perfect response. Um, I have so these are my these are my tricks to get a woman to fall in love with you. First one, me and my wife's boyfriend fancy you. Okay, and then the second one, for sale baby shoes. Not cool enough. <laughs> Extremely good. Um, my second one was all the Reddit gold for you, sir. Um, <laughs> I, I just yeah. thought it would work in in Pat's universe. I think Definitely. all the like women listeners that we have uh, are like already uh, fucking <laughs> subscribing, liking, and reviewing us. Like, everywhere. They're giving us five star reviews on <laughs> iTunes. Mm. They're liking, They're liking and retweeting our posts. We don't have any posts. We don't have a Twitter. I'm not going to make one. 
it's simply not worth it for a five episode podcast yeah nah even if we do do more episodes because y'all bully me into doing the bad book <laughs> as if this book isn't bad what what, what do we um how do we like what what interaction do we want from our listeners that that will make us do book two we do um a oh uh, uh, a ranking thing where where listeners can vote for which female character is the least um of a character and it's like a bracket every uh-huh. week uh-huh uh-huh a, a bracket of like three four characters <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking like we should reach like we should have like some sort of stretch goal where we're like uh if I don't know, there's like nothing they could retweet as the thing. Okay, I know what no our Twitter. listeners have to do. They have to unfollow Pat Rothfuss on Twitter. If you send us screenshots of blocking at Pat Rothfuss or Patrick <laughs> Rothfuss on Twitter, uh send it to like either of our hosts and uh, use the hashtag um, hashtag wise man's fear season. Okay. And if mm-hmm. if like if some people do it, <laughs> if one person does it, we're gonna do a season two. No. Uh, if, uh, I would also like to see for some viewer engagement. Uh, I would like uh, those of you who are reading along with us uh, who do not know us and are slowly forming parasocial relationships with us because we're all so charismatic. Um, I would I would like you to all to say which character we are in this in this in this bad novel. Uh, oh, you're you're, you're, like, you're kidding. Who 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 has who has vibes? Who who who's similar? Who's the best? That's what I want to know. Who's the best? Mm. Who's the sim and who's the will? Yeah. <laughs> Two characters. We totally like. Then I gives a description of them and quote is like, mm, yes, that's so true. Fucking <laughs> when? I just want to take a BuzzFeed quiz. That's just like, are you Will or are oh you? Oh my sim? god! <laughs> More like Sim. <laughs> They're just. It's just a random quiz yeah. flip. No matter what you. This answer. is the new like. Are uh, you I a Samantha or are you a? Uh, what the fuck are the other characters called in the show? No idea. <laughs> I mean, at least in Sex and the City, they kind of have different uh, yeah. like shticks. Will and Sam are. Yeah, they have one man. Exactly the same. They are one. Um, for my person, seven words. They oh, are oh, two. Oh. I want to know what's seven words are. Thank uh, my first thought was uh, obviously fully evolved Flareon can learn Solar Beam, <laughs> but as we all, as you all know, that's no longer true anymore. The the fact that it's the only fully evolved fire type, so I had to pick a different one. I mean, it does make me think of a- Ariel gets legs comics, so that yeah. does make me fall in love. I, I I I do think I can't not fuck this guy when I hear that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the obvious seven words I think are pull up in the monster automobile game. <laughs> yes. Uh, excellent. Uh, I'm, I'm getting what a great fifteen minutes of content we got out of this without ass. talking it's, about the book at all. It's fifteen minutes where we don't have to think about how. Yeah. Um. Okay. Honestly, okay. I'm talking about talking about the book. Sorry to talk about the book on this pod book podcast. Um. <laughs> Until I, until this week, I don't think I'd ever, like, okay, I wrote this, what did I write down on my notes? Okay. Denna, the chapters, <clears throat> how do I phrase this? Just, Denna in this book, like, passes through me like a cheap pint. <laughs> I just, okay, like, God. I read, Collaborate. I read, like, so the scene where Kvothe meets and talks to Denna, it's just like, uh-huh. I, 
read it, and then the moment I finish reading it, it's just gone. It's mm. it just doesn't. I do not see yeah. it. Like I read it, but I don't like read it. Like it's like a cheap beer where I read it and then I have to piss. Exactly. <laughs> I read these chapters and then I simply had to piss. Um. So it's like the scene where it's done. It's just there's nothing. There is nothing on that page to engage me. Yeah. At all. There's a lot of looks. There's a lot. I of... did feel like that. Like I think like out of this, out of these, like I don't know, 150 pages that we read. About like 130 are just nothing. <laughs> nothing happens in there. But luckily, the 20 that are left are so bad that we have to talk about them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I um before every um episode, I I you know so I do the reading and then I go to just the Wikipedia page just to give me that quick little like rem- like sections right. So I like remind myself of the plot summary in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really telling that the, the plot summary of Wikipedia like the last like third of the book is like two sentences right like they like they, they, they even like the people editing the wikipedia page trying to put the plot summary down or whatever couldn't like couldn't describe what was going mm. on here, like why these are present um uh i just found that sort of like i don't know like, it's very telling to me of just like what do you what do you say and not not no, don't get me wrong not every section has to have a plot and like if we're doing our uh, a friend of mine recommended who listened to the podcast said that we should do a, a pat on the back section for the parts that we like and so like my pat on the back section is like i get the impulse of like wanting to describe like he's in a situation where uh the other party of this sort of like supposed sort of loving relationship or sort of like infatuation whatever isn't there and he's in this description where the guy is really obviously you know infatuated and really into it and is trying to describe the indescribability of of how you feel for somebody right when you really are head over heels for them um and i get that it's not it's not an easy thing to do there's a lot of you know a lot of novels out there that spend a long time trying to describe it in different ways um and so like i just i don't want to i don't want to you know constantly sort of shit on this 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 section of the book that really is trying to you know, say more than just plot, right? A book doesn't need to just have narrative or whatever. It just fails, right? It fails at doing it, right? It fails in all in all of its attempts. But I kind of wanted to just go like, yeah, I, I I understand this this vibe of like this person is important for both and is having a hard time describing it for like good for describing her and his relationship for good and bad reasons. Um, that's not a bad idea, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And spending a long time on it, having him fail and stutter, and having the great storyteller like you know, give up on typical storytelling conventions uh, to do it. I think that's all fine uh, as an idea. It just doesn't work. (laughs) That's my sort of like, you know, (laughs) uh, backhanded compliment, my backhanded pat on the back. Um, (laughs) Like a slap. Yeah, like a slap on the back. (laughs) A backhand on the back. A backhand on the back. A a caress of the back. Um, I I have a pat on the back as well. I was noticing for the first, or I guess I like it occurred to me that a lot of the things that, or a lot of the big, one of the big things that people complain about with the book is just Dennis sort of manic pixie uh, personality. <laughs> but it just occurred to me reading this section that it doesn't really even come across that much because quote like out manic pixies. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's like. <laughs> it's kind of like fair (laughs) i don't think she's shown enough at least in what we've read so far i don't think she's been in it enough to have a manic Mm -hmm. pixie dream girl personality i mean just like the fact that she like disappears and she's like really quirky Mm -hmm. and everyone loves her but no one understands her and just like that kind of stuff it's it's interestingly like i don't think she's shown enough when like most of these chapters have been like 
okay, like a good half of the chapters we read this week are like Dana centric. Um, and yet even the chapters that are Dana, quote unquote, Dana chapters, like she's not in those she's chapters. In <laughs> it's like, it's like folks talking about her, talking about what she might be like, other people talking about her. It's like these chapters just kind of go around Dana in like a big circle and like never actually give us any Dana. I mean, even that's like true. one of the things that I really picked up on this chapter, which was true for the, well, this section, which was true for the last section as well, and it wasn't obvious enough for me to comment on it, but mm-hmm. when Kvothe and Dena are together, the book, like, the book draws you out of the, of the present conversation that they're in to describe the hours that they spent walking and how pleasant they found that time together, but you don't actually... You, you're not party to those conversations. And so you have this sort of um, situation where the book is telling you that they have this connection and the book is saying, oh, Kvothe was enchanted yeah. by her. But yeah. we don't, I, you know, I, they didn't, we didn't see them talk about anything other than the, <laughs> the, the, the little bits where she's like, yeah, I, um, I'm here. And then he's like, I think you're very pretty or whatever. Like, and I can't even think of anything <laughs> she says in this because it's all kind no. of like raised yeah. eyebrows. It kind of makes me think about just, like, another problem Pat has with just, like, whenever he wants to describe something really cool, he'll be like, it's just, I, you know, I'm really sorry that you'll never know what it's like. But it's just, like, some weird way to get out of actually describing yeah. what's going on. Yeah. It's just, like, the coolest thing you can possibly imagine. I can't even describe I mean, it. You could, like, yeah. I, get, Good I get the impulse behind it, and there is, like, some... I don't know, if you're doing this, like, for... Like one or two times, it's mm. it could be cool, but he's doing mm-hmm. it all the time to a Every way time. where like yeah, I think it happens like right at the yeah, beginning yeah. of the section where he's like talking about the methaglin or whatever it's yeah. called. He's like, if you've never had it, there's nothing. Oh, I yeah. can say. <laughs> it doesn't even it, exist. It just gives so little weight to everything that's happening in this book because everything is like, oh well, you. I, I guess you don't. I guess you just can't imagine it. You just it's, had to be there. Yeah, <laughs> you had to be there. Yeah, it's like, I guess your Alara is just not strong enough. Every, every author get you can get a few of those in, and they have to be really important yeah. sections. But like, I mean, yeah. I, it, it's a difference of like good writers and bad. I mean, I say it all the time. One of my favorite sections of Paradise Lost when I'm teaching it, I sort of emphasize it. It's a section where Milton describes like uh, the the demons are in co are, are meeting in, in pandemonium and they're having their big you know Parliament of the Damned, and Milton describes That's it as like. Uh, it's like you're on a ship and you enter in sort of a sea cove and it's sort of high rocks around you and the wind's blowing. So it's, and it's like re- resonating off all the mountains and you're sitting there like on your boat, like fearful of the storm to come, but also sort of hearing this sort of, uh, you know, enunciated, uh, 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 cacophony of wind hitting you on the, and you're just this little person hearing it. That's what demons debating in parliament sounds like. That shit's rad. That shit is like legitimately like powerful. And, uh, you know, I have a hard time even recreating it. Um, and then Pat just goes like, yeah, this woman who changed my character's life and all this sort of stuff. And like, yeah, she's just, she's cool. Uh, she isn't, you know, the idea that inexpressibility shows actually complex, deeper meaning and not an inability to like be a writer. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like you can have characters out who can't put words to things, but at some point, I want you to put words to things. I, I kind of, I kind of want that, right? Um, <laughs> well, it's a written medium. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> written medium. So, so there's like a section, <laughs> and it's in. It's like the most engaging part of the. Whenever Quoth is in the Aeolian, he's looking for ooh, who's the mystery person who sang with me, um, and like he's looking for her, and 
he like sees her. My Halloween. Um, and there's like a section where he describes in very like great detail the feeling of seeing her and like being on a lake and seeing the ice crack and that mm. feeling. Like he does a like maybe even goes like a bit hard on it, like describing precisely the feeling that he's trying to feel, and it's like so it's kind of it's kind of showing that it's like. If you wanted to describe something cool, Pat, you probably could. That that was the ice yeah. thing. Pretty evocative. I felt yeah, that in my tummy. Yeah, I thought that was good too. That's my. That's going to be my pat on the back for this. Episode. <laughs> um, I've got a different pat, probably. I did. I did think it was funny though that that metaphor was like doing a really good job of like building the feeling of nervousness you get when you do that, and then it just like pivots at the end to be like, oh wait, no, but you're the ice yeah. in this situation. <laughs> exactly. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> No, you mention it. I think what I do is I don't read this book, and then as I'm reading it, I rewrite it in my mind to be better. Because <laughs> I don't, I distinctly remember being like, "Oh, the feeling when you're on the ice, yeah, and you feel really sick in your tummy. Oh, that's like made it. Yeah, no, he did. So he did just go. I'm by the crack, boy. This I'm by like the crack up. Fuck. Comedian, stand-up comedian walking to the center <laughs> of the stage, like fellas. Do you hate it when your wife? Uh, looks at you and oh no i'm frozen lake <laughs> and and it's 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 um observational comedy because it's deeply relatable and everybody feels like cracked ice <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh god i'm trying to wreck my brain for something nice to say about this that could be <laughs> wait, wait we could we could like just dis- disperse them the as we go um yeah that's, that's good i okay um the robin um hello did you call that like the woman he was gonna be introducing, like, oh, his Halloween that that was gonna be Dana? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, she's the only woman he's been attracted to previous to this. Like, actually, how did you he's, know? He's been. He's had. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's had those horny thoughts, but um, yeah, just the way she's described. I mean, I maybe it was just the fact that I heard like we because we yeah we've been talking about her thing before. Yeah. So I don't know how much of that was me being super intelligent and guessing, or, and how much of that was um, this is really heavy-handed. Because <laughs> I, I like I just ask because um, like in my notes I remember the first time I read this. Like he meets Dana on the road like thirty-five chapters ago, and then he spends ages being like, "Oh, and now we're going to introduce the mile of interest," and then the woman. It was. A woman. The thing that every novel needs, or that every good story needs, a woman. Just one. Just one. You get one. You they have will to not recycle talk them. to each other if you have more of them. Um. Yeah, they won't like each other. So yeah, I just wanted to to ask. Had... Give me a second, Summer. Like how Sorry. he has took the fact that he acted like he was going to introduce a new character, and then is like, oh no, it's the one from before. Here she is again. Because that, whenever I first read it, I was like, the fuck, Pat? What? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I had that much of a reaction to it, mostly because I wasn't very surprised, which again, I think was... Because uh, I kind of know what goes on in this book before going into it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, <laughs> I don't know if it was shocking enough for me to be like, oh, that's a weird move. Um, I think the way he already talked about Denna in in the book in the previous sections was a bit of a hint for 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 me at least when I was reading this I was like oh this is this is a character that's gonna stick around <laughs> unlike yeah. whatever the guy's name was that looked after the kids in the town that had also a name Tarby no it was Tarby anyway 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like I'm kind of with Robin on this one, or like in a way that like on even on my first read, I was like, okay, this is the kind of story where there's not gonna be just like, uh, oh, this is a woman I had a crush on and then never met her again. Yeah. This isn't this isn't the kind of novel that would have that. This isn't the kind of novel that would have like the main character have a crush and then like grow out of it or something. This is the one that's gonna be like super focused on one person for better or worse i think for worse Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think especially as you have like the other female characters that have been introduced um have been like he'll spend a moment saying wow it's kind of weird that all the women in my life are really hot um but, but then he won't like get to know them really um, yeah, I made a note that they, like Koth just uses women like Wi-Fi hotspots, where <laughs> everywhere he goes, he finds the nearest one. He sort of mentally connects and then continues what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. So, and Summer, did you have something else to say about the the denim recycling? But I. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say like the first read that I I think I had just expected it to not be Denna because it seemed too uh-huh. obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I guess I, I wasn't really disappointed with it, but yeah. I'm just I did kind of let out a groan like on, on this on this read when uh when it was like, <laughs> Oh, what a shock it was Denna. Okay. Like, I thought it would have been like really cool if the person who helps him out in a pinch situation in 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 like this this what is this what is the aeolian tavern in this tavern where <laughs> yeah. when he mm. uh, performs would have been cool if it's just a rando and it's not gonna matter and it's just like someone I mean, singing along would have been cool but it's not the kind of book or like an old lady yoda type. yeah yeah fun too but there can't be old women in this there's his mom no that's no. gross who was also <laughs> sexy and and then all the other sexy ladies i will say i do think it could have been good if the other singer was um because when you mentioned helping him out in a pinch the fucking money lender what's her oh, name? debbie Eva? dina debbie? De- debbie oh that would have yeah. been cool yeah. I, I wish debbie had that, a character yeah. like She's arguably more... She's not arguably. She's definitely more interesting than Dan and to me. For sure. Yeah. She literally never leaves her house. I don't think ever. <laughs> I mean, really, am I right, gamers? But, but again, but this, is, this is also the, like... This is, like... We said it early on. Pat said it for us, right? Like, this is a novel. It's a D&D novel. It's every fantasy RPG, you know, video game. Like, so you have the cool, like, you know, matronly lady who you go to see when you need things. And it's always home. It's always... I mean, that's the, the, these are things that, like... You don't, you know, of course this character wouldn't be caught out in the wild because they're not a character, they're an NPC, right? Like that they're, mm, yeah. they're supposed to sit there and wait for you to come in. And, uh, you know, I, it's just one of those things where I think that I, I always want to sort of know, like, all these things are like, could be interesting. I would legitimately like, I mean, God knows Isekai is a big genre of anime where that's just like the whole oh, shtick, yeah. right? Is that you have <laughs> characters. Not, that I, you I actually hate Isekai. What's that? No, I said a hell yeah when you said isekai because yeah, I no, re- recognized no. an anime thing, but then I remembered that like ninety nine percent of isekais are dark yeah, shit. Yes, so. yes, yes. But, but it, well, yeah, exactly. But like the one percent that are fine, like there are ones that do work, and it could be an interesting thing. And it's always, I always feel bad because like reading this novel, you can imagine yourself reading a better novel, and like uh-huh. that to me yeah. is just the constantly sad part. Of just like. I can imagine how this could be good. I can imagine, you know, something there. And that imagining is uh, sometimes interesting and fun or whatever. But, like, mm. it's just not what's here, right? And at the end of the well, day... Well, that's how Sarah's reading it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, it's interesting because like, I think that the thing I'm realizing is that my imagination does fill in so much and I'm not even realizing it, that it's made it a good book. <laughs> but when it's not, it doesn't well, have any credits on see, me. But I'm doing Pat, it right Pat is just trying to train our allies. Yeah. So well, we it, become it, the great genius. He's just getting us to do all it, the work. It comes back to the, 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 this podcast's great, uh, observation. I forget who made it. Um, first brought up the Pinterest board, right? Like the, the, the yeah. vibe of the Pinterest board of each, of each section. Like it does so much work. Like part of the atmosphere is like, you know, you don't have to fucking believe in God, but you walk into a cathedral and they, there's so much vibe that you're kind of like, okay, for like the five minutes I'm in here, maybe there's a God, right? And you sort of walk around and like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then you leave and you're back, you're sort of degenerate he themselves. But like, <laughs> it, it, and, and, you know, that, that to me is like, you know, that, that's the power of good atmosphere and that's the pat on the back, right? Like an author can trick you into yeah. putting a lot of work and a lot of stuff and like in a good way, like in a cool way, uh, by doing, you know, good atmosphere. But the moment you begin to sort of delve into it, right? And you ask, oh, wait a second, isn't that that, isn't that a statue of that priest who like diddled some kids? And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe the atmosphere is actually not good right and you begin to actually ask these questions of how the atmosphere is created and you you know you, you drill down and go oh fuck like this is this is actually really not great right um yeah it's like he created good vibes but wasn't intending the way that you were directing your attention because the things that he put in the book are the things that we're ignoring and the vibes yeah. are the, the ones that were like it's like that beatles of. album but, uh rubber soul that ends with that song where john lennon's like if you ever leave me i'm gonna beat the shit out of you and find you and you know you're, you're never gonna you know walk again or something like, life if you can the, the, god that one The, 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 the song, like, it sounds great, but it's about him, like, you know, yeah. being a shithead. I know the song. I, yeah, used, yeah, I had a big Beatles I did period. not know that that song existed, so... Oh, yeah, look, look, Run look For Your Life time. by the Beatles, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Sound of the Summer. Sound of the Summer. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, and that, I loved that song when I was 12 and didn't know English. The first line of the song is, <laughs> the first line of the song is, well, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. Uh, that's like the first bit. But, but you listen to the song and it's just like, oh, this is a cool vibe. And and then you look at it and you're like, and that's, that's great another tune. experience of reading this novel. It's like, good And vibes. then you learn English. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes me think of like, I heard someone say, like someone asked someone I follow on Tumblr, like whether or not they liked Grimes. And her response was like, I love Grimes. She's a musical genius and it's hilarious, which is kind of how I feel. <laughs> like, it's so funny that he was able to make these amazing vibes because he's clearly not that great of a writer. <laughs> I think it's all accidental or... Or he's just, or he's just a, just a GM. Like that's, that's, that's also it. a possibility. Like I, I keep mm. talking about the role playing thing, but, mm. but, and it, you know, he is confirmed <laughs> as someone who does role playing games. Uh, but I think it's, it's just really the GM, uh, mindset that you have like all this, all this set dressing, all this like setup, mm. all these like cool concepts that you throw out there so your players can like bounce off them and create their own shit. It's just a lot harder where when like you're the only voice and the reader just like takes it in, <laughs> right? Yeah. What actually just running around the table throwing dice is <laughs> um, interesting about that is that I for, from inter Pat interviews he has repeatedly said that he is a very bad game master or dungeon master oh, and that he <laughs> thinks that he's, he's like oh my strength is as a player like i will happily join anyone's game but i'm a very bad gm which you know 
as a my GMing experience is that it's most effective when you put the most effort into creating characters. Uh-huh. <laughs> so just 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 having some thoughts there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my GMing experience is that, but it's, I guess it's just like. <laughs> My style is that you're just gonna you're just gonna do improv really hard and then it's gonna work out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also to continue the vein of vibes, um, and actually, sorry to hark back of what we said about nothing happening in these chapters. Um, I actually really like the like slice of lifeness that yes. happens in this book. Um, yep. because like yeah. Just the kind of, again, like, the vibe of, oh, I'm working in the fishery. Oh, I'm hanging out at this cool bar. Like, I'm like, yeah, I would love to work in this cool workshop. I would love to also hang out in this cool bar. And, like, the parts of the book that I enjoy the most are, like, nothing is happening. And then something starts happening. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think oh, that makes me take me back to the vibes. <laughs> that reminds me that the chapter called All This Knowing, I think, is my favorite uh, chapter of, like, the whole series. Which one's that one? The one where they're just, uh, it's like a really short chapter where he's just walking home with his friends. The story of tonight chapter. But it's just like, it's so sweet. Um, let's remember it is. It's, I, because I wrote this down because there is like. 59. Yeah, I think that's the chapter that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda cited in interviews <laughs> as being the chapter that inspired the song Story of Tonight where it like. Whichever Hamilton. Oh my god! Help me out here, Janos. I hate to. I hate to know this. Do you not know this? Uh-oh. No, I did not know this. I That's... assumed as a little fucking Hamiltrash that you might know this. <laughs> oh my god. That makes one thousand percent sense. I'm so mad. But it's like no. <laughs> that. Really, is the vibe of that song. Yeah, it's the vibe of like three friends stumbling home tonight, being like, "We're we fucking real dog." Hell yeah. This 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 book. It even says like mm-hmm. at the end of. Sorry, it even says at the end of the chapter that it's just like, this might be the only thing that matters. And it's like, Mm. you're right. (laughs) Although I think Miranda also said about Story of Tonight, not to show my whole ass here, but he also (laughs) said that he kind of like wrote it like 10 years ago, like when he was 16. (laughs) So Uh, uh, our next podcast... Someone was asking him if it was a reference to a different song and he was like, oh no, I wrote... I think, like, I guess the melody he wrote, like, a lot. No, maybe he was, maybe he didn't actually say he, he wrote the melody earlier, just that he, it it's, like, supposed to be similar to a song that he wrote when he was 16. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next podcast. But, but yeah, uh, like, this, the, the chapter does have, like, this vibe of when you're young, <laughs> when you're going home from the, the club, going home drunk at night, which is something we can't do anymore. Uh, <laughs> you can if you just go for late night walks with a can. Our, our next podcast is why Hamilton sucks. <laughs> Speaking of drink, actually, I just chanced upon this part of my notes. Um, and this might lead us away from some dinner things, but part of what was has been really bothering me about this book is like the world building. It's like it's paper thin. Um, and there's it just started really bothering me in these chapters that both drinks so much and uh-huh. is fifteen. It's fifteen. Um, yeah. and the fact oh that yeah. this I mean, universe is... amongst us didn't drink a lot at 15, am I right? I mean, no. listen. I did not. Listen, <laughs> but I, I come from the southwest of England, which 
Listen, there's nothing to do when you're 14. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the only thing we did do was go to the fields and drink cider. So, like, I highly relate to yeah. um, drinking a lot as a teenager. At the same time, I was still a teenager. Um, you know, I didn't have conversations with adults who come up to me and, like, point at a woman who just walked away from uh-huh. me. Yeah. Like, oh, she was doing everything but taking another button down for you. Because, like, oh I was that didn't have you <laughs> when you were 15. And I was a, <laughs> now, I was a scorny little teenager. I, 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 got, I will push back as, as a, a quick moment here. I will say that, like, at least as as a, you know, talking as a dude here, um, growing up, this this was my experience with a lot of sort of uh, drinking out with with the guys. Uh, my family uh, ran a funeral home. Um, mm-hmm. so sort of our, our job, I don't know if I said this before. Um, and some of the, some of the guys there, you have two drinks, whatever. And, and, you know, these are 50 year old guys or whatever. And they're pointing out like, oh, that broad who walked into the bar. I mean, it, it's like the moment, it's rock. Yeah, well, uh, the moment, the <laughs> moment you're sitting, you know, with, with the boys and you kind of can, and you're not being obnoxious and you can kind of pass right as, as, as chill, um, mm-hmm. you know, people just talk, the, the age doesn't sort of come into fact, uh, play anymore. You just become another one of the dudes, the sort of, um, mentality. So I will say like, like to me, I didn't, I didn't find quote, I didn't find it like unbelievable that quote, um, you know, would, would be sort of accepted after showing some confidence in some ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he does, he just kind of show that he can, you know, hold his himself. Um, but it's to me, it's just like, what's unbelievable is that like, he never actually shows himself being like actually cool. Right. He shows himself as like a kid who's really unsure of who he is and constantly has to grandstand and constantly has to perform some identity and sort of really remind everyone exactly who he is. And that shit is not like that shit gets you, you know, uh, scorned from from people who just want to sit and, and have a good time. So I, I th- th- like I, I you know, my, my dissenting opinion there sort of I, I, I or concurrent, my concurrent opinion. I, I agree. It, but for I think it's a different reason. Um, yeah. The, specifically, the reason I brought up the alcohol is because also in these chapters we are shown some more of the medica and like yeah. mm. the we are shown that this world is fairly sophisticated in terms of like medicine in terms of like knowing stuff and like it just started to bother me that no one at the uni ever points out that like maybe a teenager should not be drinking so much um, <laughs> nobody like but both being this this was the entire last episode of this podcast i guess but quote be like i it bears repeating that quote being 15 stops being a thing after his entrance exam yeah yeah, yeah. you're all forgetting that he's good at everything so he has like a liver just of course oh, <laughs> it's, his liver that, has true. it's the alar of his liver yeah <laughs> i do think it's it's funny cuz you i i imagine that the reason I, you know, strawmanning a little here because I don't know, but I would imagine that the reason you could excuse this is because, um, obviously drinking limits did not exist in vampire times, <laughs> in like medieval <laughs> fantasy times. Yeah. Uh, just medieval times. But then again, like people still didn't let their kids drink tons of alcohol because like kids would just die. Um, uh-huh. and also like in this, you have distilled spirits. Which is fine. I like. I don't mind that. But you wouldn't let fifteen-year-olds drink distilled spirits in the in medieval times. Yeah, like... again, they would die, and they're um, your entire workforce for your little farm. So you know, <laughs> you gotta keep them <laughs> there's, alive. There's like different. Like I, there's, agreeing with you here uh, is that there's like 
different degrees of the people or like or like kids used to drink in medieval times shit like you know in game of thrones where uh, ed sheeran shows up yeah and oh, then yeah. he's like uh he's drinking with the lads and plays one of his famous songs and then he's to, he is to aria like are you old enough even old enough to drink and it's like beer which you know mm, that's yeah. bullshit because famously like people in medieval times uh, beer drank was so clearer beer. than or cleaner to drink than water or whatever yeah but you would drink it it's a very weak beer compared yeah. to what we have now but yeah but yeah. but on, on at the same time going out for a drink with the lads and coming home drunk that's an entirely different thing like that's not just yeah. oh Everyone was drinking beer, regardless of so their ages in I, olden times. Um, for, uh, for some other reasons, which will come up later in this chapter, I did some research into medieval lifestyle stuff, um, specifically looking up like marriage ages of women. Um, <laughs> but like, because it, there is there is historical basis for like kids drinking. I'm thinking of like workhouses when they'd give the kids whiskey to like pacify them and stuff. Um, I don't actually yes. know if that's true, but like I've heard it. Um, and like historical basis for like kids drink beer because it's cleaner than water and like fermentation, blah, blah, blah. In this specific book, it feels like Foth is just drinking because he's really cool. And like, yeah, that's I mean, a cool thing to do. Well, but I, so I want to do something you said, Sarah, and I think what we're all kind of pointing at in a way is, is this, we have this, we have our own anxieties right now, I think about like, Oh, hearing these sort of bad faith responses to us saying, it's weird that Quoth drinks a bunch and it just doesn't vibe. And you can hear these sort of, you know, well actuallyers in chat going like, um, in medieval time, like we're sort of trying yeah, to, we're trying to like, audience. yeah, we, yeah <laughs> not, not you, oh, great audience. I'm sure, I'm sure none of you, none of you even have that impulse to do that. But like, we're all trying to correct that there because that's what so much of this feels like is like you have a complaint against, you know, uh, some fantasy book, any fantasy book, really. And you have this whole slew of people coming in, citing these, like, historical facts they gleaned off Wikipedia real quick or that they remember from the last fantasy novel they read, forgetting already that it was a fantasy novel and not a medieval history. Um, and, and, and you know, that's such a common way of engaging with these books. Like, I already was talking about somebody outside of this podcast about this book, and they really liked it. And I started pointing out some things, and they started already giving me the sort of classic, comp- oh, He's telling he's telling the story, so it's gonna be biased. Oh, it's based in this sort of medieval time, so you know it makes sense that this, this, or this. And you just sit there and go, yeah, but it still sucks ass. At the end of it, yeah, we're I trying to say like, yeah. the popular conception of what was normal in medieval times has been entirely screwed by Christian fantasy. Which yeah. this, I mean, I guess Christian is probably the wrong word for this because it's extremely atheist. No, but um. Like, Carry on. It, the 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 basis of it, and it's this, and you know, it's the same with at least the Game of Thrones show. You know, where you have, oh well, of course there's homophobia because um that's how society has always been. Yeah, the um, church has always headed out <laughs> against gay people specifically. Yeah, and gay people have always been um a separate kind of person with its yeah. own defining label, and that's how we've always understood it since the beginning of time. Yeah, and it's you know people. And it, it does come from like weird Christian um, rewritings of of old texts. Because if you translate something, you can just fucking change what it says. What what are the locals going to do? Correct you? They can't read. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> wait, it, it's just it's way more complicated. Like the whole whatever these histories are, it, it, it's 
complicated and it doesn't even make sense to talk about a lot of stuff here and there. But when I'm just like, like, oh, you know, is, where's homosexuality? Well, that's a, that's a convention of the you know, 19th century, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're just sitting here like, I get it. You all have read a bunch of other fan, exactly what you're saying. Uh, you, you've all read a bunch yeah. of other fantasy Fair. novels. You've read um, D&D. You think this is what it's about. And it's just it's just it's artifice it's fine it's fine to have artifice but like you can't defend a novel's shitty parts by going oh it's just being you know faithful faithful to fucking what faithful to the last <laughs> fantasy novel they read right fantasy there, to the, you know D. there's a phrase that i heard dan say when i was editing the first episode which i kind of want to just like write in really big letters and like pin up on the wall and that was default assumptions of fantasy mm. Um, yeah, and there's so much of this book that just feels like it comes from the default assumption of what a fantasy world is. Um, yeah, and like in particular, I, I don't know if I want to segue into talking about how old Dana is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we have. To. I'd like to I mean, say we have to talk. About I have to talk about that. I guess, like, I. I oh god. Did you say somewhere? One more thought on just, sorry, on the alcohol part. I was just thinking about how the last time I read, read this, I was reading it to my partner and we just decided to start like doing like drinks whenever they would mention oh drinking and it's a very effective <laughs> drinking game. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, please continue. Uh, I was just going to say like related to something that Dan said like if, a few minutes ago, <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to add like, when when you're like uh ah well like when, when you start like well actually in this book i guess like criticisms yeah. of this book of well it's like based on whatever society or or even stuff like well but it's an unreliable narrator i think i think those things are gonna make sense to you in your mind retroactively when you're not reading the book at the moment like when you're like remembering back to the book because because this book like the thing we mentioned earlier that this book is so potent at uh making the reader come up with their own story that is uh, and nowhere to be found in the book right like <laughs> because this book is such a blank slate um basically like a yeah book. <laughs> th th that's why like in it, w when you're not reading the book Currently, when you have read the book like years ago, you're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I loved the King Killer Chronicle." It's uh, singular, <laughs> single. It's cool, uh, fucking musician guy, red-haired guy doing cool shit. But like, when you're reading it, it's it's all just, especially on a reread. I just keep, I just keep thinking about how everything in this book is just unrealized potential. Like, it's all just. It's all just ideas that Pat then refuses to further explore. <laughs> and that's, mm. that's such a shame. Janosch, you saying that made me realize something. And also, Summer, you saying it's like a picture book. Because it really is. Words make picture, but there's really words make picture. And, like, there's a different version of Name of the Wind or in the head of every single person who reads it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, because so much Definitely. of it is filling in the blanks, interpreting having your own kind of version and yeah, obviously that's true of like every book but just the fact that this one kind of like passes through you and everyone it passes through it will leave different traces um and that really explains why on twitter so many people are like oh this is my favorite book ever or i hate this book to guts and it's just like it really explains why everyone feels like they're talking about a different book whenever they're arguing about name of the wind online 
<laughs> yeah. Like yeah. this is I don't know. There's something here. Sure. It's coming together like, for me. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna read one thing that is at the back of my copy, which is a quote by best selling author and winner of the National Book Award, Ursula K. Le Guin. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it about this book? It is a rare and great pleasure to find a fantasist writing with true music in the words. Wherever Pat Rothfuss goes, he'll carry us with him as a good singer carries us through a song. What book were you reading, Ursula? Her own. <laughs> she just reread Wizard of Earth and was like, "Yeah, well, this is good." I uh, I we gotta talk. We gotta talk about Dana. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um. Actually, can I just sleep? I, should, I know I just brought that up, but can I just, um, whilst we mentioned um, the, uh, you know, medieval homophobia thing, there's like this little bit where he's looking for Dennis. I have this as well. Yeah. And um, he's like, stumbles upon these two people at a table and he's like, oh, a man and a woman. And then one of them turns around. And he's like, oh, no, it's a guy with dark hair. And then they both make jokes about like having sex with him. Yeah. Um, and and it's framed as extremely creepy, and I think it's the only time that gay people are shown in this book. <laughs> yep. Cool. <laughs> Exciting. It's epic. I Sorry, have I can... it. Ooh, hang on. <clears throat> okay. Uh, what are you saying? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I, I I just got kicked in back in. Are we all? Can you hear me? Just to make sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was wondering why you were not saying anything. Yeah. No. I was. What I say, and we could we can go on, or you can cut all this. I was just gonna say, like, this is this is um. Next next podcast, why Ham- why Hamilton is trash, and the honest you can defend it while the rest of us explain why it's trash. Um, but like you know, this it, it's like the, when you first listen to Hamilton, right? And you're like, okay, yeah, there's some cool vibes here. And then the moment you just realize how like the big thing with Hamilton is the thing with this novel is you know what you take away from it, the traces, the things that are sort of re you know reinscribed into your head of how fantasy works or doesn't work, right? You know, you can't read something without taking something away from it. And I just like the the upsetting part to me is like reading this over and over again and having people walk away with with the traces of 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 Patrick Rothfuss is like this is just shitty writing that people have you know who believe that it's good writing right like it, this is hamilton's mm. shitty history that like legitimately yeah. harms people's understanding of how sh- you know things happen how and, and you know i would problems. argue i would argue yeah. that hamilton is worse than this because hamilton has like good catchy songs that have like horrible ideological implications but like it's catchy yeah. enough that mm-hmm. uh, everyone is gonna be like yeah i like this yeah no hamilton has legitimately like brought america like american uh, consciousness back like 50 years um yeah we're all just fucking <laughs> you know dist- i mean like yeah, our material conditions are already so so horrible but you know, we're brought back even farther um anyway but but what i'm just saying is that like it, it'd be right that it's worse but like when i read a novel like this and i think of the people who like it and you have that sort of, you know, let people enjoy things, right? Uh, oh, you like the novel, that's fine. But, like, if this is what's going to keep passing is, like, good fantasy or, like, high fantasy, not high fantasy, like, in the, in the high fantasy genre sense, but, like, this is, like, the top of the top, the creme de la creme of fantasy, like, then, yeah, fucking get rid of the genre. It's fucking not worth it, right? It's not <laughs> worth it to have I don't... hordes of, of people's D&D campaigns getting constantly published and people sort of working through shit like that. It, it, it's legitimately brain rotting. And people who people are just like, as long as people are reading, no, fucking, that's not that's not a good it's not a good take. Um, anyway, I, in, in this novel frustrates yeah. me when I hear people. I mean, I like, I don't mind because like what you like, whatever. I don't mind if people are like, oh, I like Name of the Wind. But saying that it's like the height of the fantasy genre, it's a modern fantasy classic. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, just the fact that this book 
happened and the chapter uh, chapter 69 which we'll talk about that that kind of passed under the radar and uh-huh. like mm-hmm. it's like yeah. Dennis age and uh sort of occupation um and implications of that like i have never seen anyone talk about this just remembering how like pat's publisher mentioned that he rewrote this like thousands uh-huh. of times mm-hmm. and like didn't didn't leave anything unrewritten made it like perfect so it's just like really are you sure <laughs> still let let this through um i i just I was slipping through my copy to find stuff, and um, so there's there's a little description of Dana um, that um, just really really took me back to the the blog post, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is him describing her as saying her lips were red, not the garish oh pink dress that many women believe makes them desirable. <laughs> literally, her lips were always red, morning and night, and it's like oh, the return, <laughs> fuck me red, fuck me the red, fuck lipstick. Me red lipstick. Oh, oh you're so right. <laughs> just a mention, just. Just directly in the book. Also, I've been thinking about fuck me red lipstick so much that the words it's not like it's it's is it fuck me <laughs> is it lipstick that makes you fuck me red? Uh, is it like is it fuck me red lipstick? Uh, is it fuck me comma like red lipstick? Like, like it's all it's all like <laughs> Patrick has destroyed me with a comma after lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait no hang on it i really would be... like how his description it... of her her lips is just like it's literally saying like she wasn't even wearing yeah. lipstick they, it was just they were just yeah. red she just it's looks like, like just that. solidifying that I, he hates lips i have so never much. seen a person who care. isn't like a christian prude <laughs> care so much about <laughs> lipstick and it's like sexual implication if it's the same color why it's just it? lipstick my guy A cigar is never just a cigar, and lipstick is never just lipstick, is the Mm. important thing to remember. True. Uh, I I just want to go back to my fun little ditty and uh, rescind that the comma should actually be after fuck me, and not after lipstick. I got that one wrong. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was just thinking about how much much work Quoth puts into, like, make up rumors about himself to get people to like him, but then he gets mad if he sees a woman wearing (laughs) lipstick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. There was a part like in the first. I, I don't think we talked about that uh, last time, but in, in Dana's first appearance last week, uh, there was a bit where uh, where Quoth was like, uh, she was beautiful. She didn't even know it. And Honey, in this one, she she's it. hot and she knows it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it mm-hmm. just there's a sex because like I the one thing I'd say again, it lasts a long time. But the idea. Of like, and and I've said this before in other episodes, like the fact that Quoth is looking back on his, like his, we have these interludes where he's looking back and he doesn't feel any shame really for how he talked as a kid, Uh, or, you know, very little at the very least. Um, But whatever. I'm like, I would be more okay with just shitty dudes being shitty. Like I would be annoyed by it, but whatever. But like, it's, it's when they begin to philosophize and speak like absolute truths. Like, so in 69, the section that really got me right again, all of it's bad, but the section, like I was expecting it. This is, I didn't expect it. It's, it's on for my, for me, it's page 471. It's uh, Dioch. Um, uh, Dioch. Are we saying Dioch? Dioch. 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 you too. (laughs) Dioch. Um, (laughs) Um, 
Uh, Diok looked at me incredulously, then burst, or sorry, sorry, before that. Uh, Diok looked at me, uh, he's looking at him a lot. Diok looked at me as if he hadn't understood what I was asking. Women hate Denna, he said plainly, as if repeating something we both already knew. Hate her? I thought, or the thought baffled me. Why? Diok looked at me incredulously, then burst out laughing. Good lord, you really don't know anything about women, do you? I would ordinarily have bristled at this comment, but Diok was nothing but good nature. Think of it. She's pretty and charming. Men crowd round her like stags in rut. He made a flippant gesture. <laughs> women are bound to resent it. Like, dude, come on. Like, fucking women be shopping. Like, they hate they hate other women. And, yeah. uh, Dan, it's done. I'm thing. Dan is so hot. I'm looking at you, you incredulously right now. I mean, don't you know that, like... The only thing a woman can be interested in life is getting the attention of a man. And and not just yeah. a man, all men, which yeah. is what makes every other woman, yeah. I mean, including your are... mothers, sisters, cousins, whatever, they're all enemies. Yeah. Fucking I... feminists, like, SJWs get, get... on the internet, are going to be talking about the thing called the Bechdel like... test, which is about how whether there's like more than one woman in a story and do they talk to each other and do they talk about something that is not a man but like what these sjws don't understand is that women just naturally hate other women they're all competing and not for fun just from it's true. <laughs> they women hate other women the same way that i hate women it's, yeah. it's perfect <laughs> like... they all want to fuck this 15 year old apparently i don't know <laughs> I, uh, I will say, so this isn't what the character characterization is meant to be, but for Dio, um, like, he's some creepy 30-something-year-old guy. Yeah. Mm. So, like, believably, I can imagine him sitting down a young teenager and explaining to him, all women hate all women, they only want the attention of men. To me, that is not an outlandish thing for a scummy 30-year-old guy to say. If the text is portraying him as a scummy 30-year-old guy mm-hmm. rather than, as this right. text does, as, like, your cool older friend who knows the ways of the world. He's yeah, a pickup like... artist guru. He's, Stop- yeah. he's giving, quote, a copy of the game. <laughs> and Quote is like, wow, I see. And it's just like, that's just how it is now. Like, literally, shout out to page uh, 474. Um, I find myself increasingly fond of Dior. Like... Why? I, my guy, he's Why? a fucking Why? nonce. Um, yeah, speaking of nonce, <laughs> Stanchion still gives me a hard time about chasing after a girl I've half my age. Again. He shrugged his broad shoulders sheepishly. For all that, I am still very fond of her. These days, she reminds me of my littlest sister more than anything else. Oh, God. <laughs> what a Christ. thing to just say. How long have you known her? I asked. I wouldn't say I really knew her, lad, but I met her at what, about two years back? <laughs> She was 14, you creep! Oh, no. My skin is crawling. I literally... This is what made me go to sleep. Um, Because, like, a few chapters back, I had had the question, like, about how old Denna is. Because I was like, okay, so either Denna is Kvothsage, or she... Because I think she was going out with um, Savoy or some shit. And I was like, either if she's Kvothsage... Here's what I... What I remember of it is that she's like two or three years older than I, She's just one. I think she's 16. Uh, yeah, I don't like... Because either she's Kvothsage and she's interested in him and then she's dating these older guys like sugaring, which like, mm-hmm. listen, you gotta get by. Um, Or she's their age and she's dating Kvoth, but also fucking, what the fuck, my girl? Also fucked up. But like, yeah, it's like... Because um, 
there's like a thing that fan the thing that fantasy does quite a lot is like gives you some facts and lets you fill in the gaps yourself and like that's the thing I quite like about fantasy um when it does like world building like Brandon Sanderson does this quite well like he'll he'll give you like world facts and then let you extrapolate stuff which okay great um and like it happens in these section of chapters whenever um someone says a phrase which has the word coat in it and then we can figure out that the word coat means disaster and it's like oh great the text gives some stuff we extrapolated for ourselves we find out a new fact and then we're doing the exact same thing where uh Dioch is like, oh, Dan is half my age. And then several paragraphs later, Quoth is like, oh, what are you? You can't be more than 30. And then the the maths on that is like, ah, oh, Dan is a 15-year-old girl. And <laughs> and then and then you gotta fucking live with that for the rest of your life and the rest of your reading of this book. Uh-huh. And it just, like, please, I, d- I don't want to, like, if I'm thinking when I'm reading this book... It becomes instantly bad, and that's that yeah. just simply sucks. It just fucking kills <laughs> yeah, me how like last episode we were like, why why does Quoth have to enter university as fifteen? What's the point? They could have like filled this book with some other adventures, make the university stuff next book when he's eighteen, nineteen, and yeah. all of the yeah. Banner stuff could have been solved. Like it, it would still have been bad. But like, yeah, but just for misogyny rather than nonce reasons. Yeah, yeah. Like what? Is, d- 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 what? What, hey, what does it add to this book that quote is fifteen? Yeah, child yeah. prodigies of underkind. Yeah, it, you know, that, and, and that's the, that's exactly the answer, right? That like it's not about like, and so Denna has to be around his age, right? Yeah. And so that's why she has to. Um, well, it 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 kills me because exactly what you like, and I and just back in. So forgive me if, if this has been sort of covered already. Um, but you know there there's there's no reason there's no like law passed down by the you know the woke gods that say you can't talk about or try to have a character deal with like you know being an oversexualized younger woman right uh that that's fucking you can write about that like i think about like you know but like you have to give it weight and time and space right like Mario Kata, uh one of my favorite uh you know directors authors uh she did uh this incredible anime a manga called um uh oh maidens in your savage season everyone should fucking watch it it's incredible it's perfect and there's one character who goes exactly through that, right? Who who was over sexualized? Who's an actress? Is like that, like thirteen, fourteen, by this director who's really creepy and uh, all this sort of stuff. And it's a huge part of her thing and getting over it and sort of working through it and sort of finally overcoming that. Blah blah. blah. It takes weight. It's not just two dudes talking in a fucking bar about how <laughs> hot a fifteen year old is. That's not that's not giving weight like weight to what's being discussed. You can have a murder or or you can have something, you know, major happen in your novel that's like horrific. But you, it has to mean something. And if it doesn't, it just feels fucking like it feels shitty. It feels really shitty uh to read. Are you, you telling know? me that reading the line Nothing makes a man feel older than a young woman. Made you feel shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm, I'm saying that. I'm saying I'm saying that. uh, Hot take. uh, Yeah, Dan's hot take corner here. So brave. Uh, That that's that's a creepy line, right? Like high school girls, man, you get older and they stay the same. (laughs) And you know the fucking uh, another shitty line uh, again from Dioch is um, whenever he says, oh, she always struck me as being older than her years, which is, like, straight uh-huh. off of yeah. fucking 4chan or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, like literally lolly type and, stuff. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And quote is in quote is I mean this is this is such a common sort of thing too. And it's almost I almost have there's a moment where I again the potential could have been there is like Pat being aware of how shitty, you know, dudes how dudes let other dudes get away with saying shitty stuff. Because like that line of like, ah, oh, he couldn't have sexually assaulted this person, he's such a good guy. Right. It's, it's such a common one. Right. And mm-hmm. that's what, but that's what yeah. Fultz is doing this whole chapter. He's like, ah, he, you know, this, he's constantly reminding us that Deok's a good dude. And like, that he, and he's con, it feels like, I don't, the like gaslighting's not the right word, but it feels like, like what I'm reading him say and Quoth constantly saying, like, oh, he's a good dude. That could be in a better novel. Like, you then get Quoth coming back. It's like, oh shit. Like, I, thinking about what he said, I realized how wrong I was that this guy was actually like a fucking creep in, in the way he's talking about things. But no, this is, this is just dead ass how people talk about, uh, you know, friends of there who's like, you know, they're into lowly shit and they're like, oh no, he's still a good dude. He just, you know, he just, he, you know, what are you kink shaming or some stuff? Right. And, it, and it's just like, no. I, I'm not right. Dudes don't rock. Dudes don't dudes rock. Dudes don't rock. This, this is this is this is one of those sections where it's like this isn't like you know our, our Sam and the boys getting hammered. This is this is a dudes don't rock section. Sometimes <laughs> dudes rock, but not here. I am not just yeah. Hey, um, like Robin met brought up the part uh, about the wee the wee gay couple um, that first runs into who proposition him. Um, I have just remembered a little factoid, which is I do believe that Dioch is bisexual. Cool. Oh, yeah. oh I, I love that about for that. him. More bisexual pedophile representation. representation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just make it the worst <laughs> characters. Because uh, because I remember so, that. Fa- I think it may be in the next book. I rem- in that that right. factoid like you're totally right stuck itself in my brain um, and like leaves me thinking like oh cool like. Um, Name of or Kinkler Chronicle singular you get one is a book series in which uh, a bisexual character is act- actively named as being bisexual and that's really cool. And I'm reading this again and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Well, it, it reminds you <laughs> that 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 the idea of representation alone is horseshit, right? When you're just saying all that matters is representation, you get the fucking Disney Beauty and the Beast. Ah, mm-hmm. Lafu the, the, is is uh is actually he's gay, right? Like. Like representation. You get means- the Russo brothers in um, Endgame being like in that support group with Captain America, like, oh, my husband was snapped by Thanos. Oh, it's like, oh, got him. It's like representation is more than just you know categorizing and labels. You know, categorizing labels. Fucking the old medical scientists who were trying to prove that trans people are fucking uh, you know abominations. They're the ones who fucking label and you know put the categories. That's not what representation should look like in the fucking twenty first century. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're uh, definitely just here just so Pat can say no one said I didn't. No one can say I didn't put gay people in my books. Yeah. They're there. No. Yeah, they fucking yeah. suck. Yeah. I'm not in the fun sexy way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, suck. And it's sections. It's sections that's what, like that's the, what chapter sixty nine should have been about. Exactly. Rob. Pat yeah. clearly wants to. <laughs> But imagine that. Imagine if it was that chapter where this is the chapter they do oh, it, no, and then it's like, you know. uh, But it's stuff like this. Yeah, and for- I, 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 I do think there's like no other, no other possible outcome that could have happened from chapter six to nine uh, of this, of from the chapter of six to nine of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it's like the worst fucking chapter that we hate for gross reasons. I have, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering, after everything we know about Pat at this point, do you think it's intentional? Because <laughs> I kind of think it might be. Yeah. I, I just can't, I just don't. I just don't think so. Because like, he'll, 
you had this section earlier in the book where he hears that kid getting beat up on the street and he like makes the conscious choice not to help mm. and then with all the stuff here he's like oh i saw a woman being sexually assaulted i saw someone being groped and um it just doesn't it doesn't register on the same level um and I, like i think this book tries to point out things like um in universe sexism like you have the whole thing where Dioch is talking him to him about like well you know even if you weren't super clever and stuff you're still a guy and you'd have been able to do loads of stuff even if you didn't go to university um and but then <laughs> the book immediately shifts gear into like women can do two things which is begging and whoring which is <laughs> yeah which is like you're putting this in the book it doesn't <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like if you put something that is this hot, like if you put systemic sexism into a book where you're combating evil and the systemic sexism is never addressed yeah. beyond acknowledging it, you're allowing it. You're you're just saying this is how the world is. Yeah, you're not writing realism. You're not like bound by you know the reality yeah. of of you know the world, right? Where you can imagine a book that's really trying to capture the you know what it's like to be alive in 1950, and it wants to deal with I don't know like the the Korean War for the U.S. Right? And like you have these passive sexist comments, but the book's not really about that. But it kind of has to include that because that's just how army dudes talked or whatever, right? It's not that. That's not what this is, right? This the genre allows you. To open up to so many different things, to, to engage with it, to not engage with it, to write it out, to do whatever. Uh, but you know, you, you know, it's, it's it's exactly as you say, right? There's you're you're allowing it. You want it there, but you don't want to do any. You've created for yourself a world in which you can solve uh, misogyny and sexism. That's what fantasy yeah. can do, right? It, it, not the fucking real world. You can't just write a pen and fix it all. Uh, but in your novel, you can do it. You can work through it, and you instead choose to just have it to recalcify it, to concretize it, and it's just there. And it, uh, I'll, pff, natural state of humans are all, you know, fucking sexual dimorphism, and the fucking dudes are gonna rock, and the women are gonna, you know, not. And and come on, man, it's just like, I mean, is that is I'm, that what you want? Do you want to do that, Pat? You know. I'm I'm tapping the sign that says default assumptions of fantasy. <laughs> Again. Um, I think well, what I, just to be clear, I meant like do you think Pat pulled up a new page on his word processor, saw that he was at 69 and then thought I got to make it about sex somehow. <laughs> I actually you might be right about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean knowing how much he rewrites uh he was probably like shifting. Maybe that's what took him so like so many rewrites to like shift around the chapters enough that he ends up <laughs> mm-hmm. with the sexy sex chapter on sixty nine. No, I do but, know that um, Janusz and Robin are writing a book, and I'm expecting great things from chapter sixty nine. Well, just oh, so you know, it, I, <laughs> we're not going to get there the next two years, probably. But <laughs> I, I find it so funny. Um, uh, you know, like James Joyce, you know, he writes Ulysses and there's all this fucking writing on like exactly what chapter goes where and why and like how much was he involved in like ev- not even just like choosing the chapters and what happens to what section, but the what pages was he at the printer even like making sure the pages are right. And like that's, you know, one of the greatest novels in the English language. And then you got Pat Rothfuss who's like, yeah, 69, gonna fucking, hey, baby, fucking write the sex thing. I'm like, oh, God. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm imagining now James Joyce seeing the funny number 69 coming up on his next page and rubbing his oh, hands. Oh, if, if, if James, I don't know, he might have been like Finnegan's Wake. I, I bet like page 69 of the first edition has, you know, like just a bunch of sexual innuendos over and over and over again. Like he'd do that shit, but, you know, not, not, not like. 
when when did this when did the sex number invented when did the sex um, number since the dawn of time yeah no. um obviously since, it's one of the default yeah, assumptions but when did of they life. realize it's a funny number since numbers have like existed yeah i guess arabic uh when they invented numbers yeah, so shout out to the, the Arabs for inventing the funny sex position. I'm saluting you. Um, while you guys research... I, I, just, I just want to know, uh, is like what came first? People were looking at 69... Like mm-hmm. some horny scholar hasn't seen another human being in fucking five years, and you know, you know, quarantine got us all, got us all sort of thinking about, thinking about it. Um, was it that, or was, or was it like a cock watching two people have like his, his like partner have sex with someone else, and like they're doing that position? He's like, you guys look Making like sixty nine right now, right? Like, <laughs> I think, I think I it's like a, these scenarios. I think it's like a William of Orange kind of situation. Where the number existed, and then someone looked at the number and was like, "Ah, oh, this inspires me for what I can can do." Mm. Horny. Oh my god! Yeah, um, some, some, somebody's taking less. Like a mathematician is really trying to incorporate like numbers into their life. I'm like, yeah. Because I have, I have more things <laughs> to say about chapter sixty nine. I'm gonna but I'm gonna need I, to interrupt the fun bit train. I do like <laughs> yeah. to imagine like the one mathematician just like coming up with like. 100 absolute dog shit sex positions that makes no sense <laughs> that only one sticks. He invents the 96 first and it's just really upsetting. <laughs> the, fuck. Well, the 96 is that episode of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where it's like, Charlie, we sleep ass to ass, you know this. <laughs> like, not, to, not to just reinstate a bit from a funnier podcast than us, but I constantly think about like that thing in um my dad wrote a porno where uh where he found out that his dad has no idea why 69 is the the sex number like he, <laughs> <laughs> some oh some God. like uh someone writes him in oh uh the book has 69 pages nice and then he la- he has a hearty laugh and when his wife asks like why is that funny he's like oh don't you see 69 that's the shape of a woman <laughs> So, as a fellow woman seer, I I can, I can, I can definitely uh, attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, I really want to talk about how, um, the part at which, um, Dioch explains to Quoth that, like, Dena is sugaring, basically. Um, yeah. She, she trades on her charm, basically. Um, you know, and, like, he, he starts, like, judging her, being like, oh, she could have had a different job. Why is she doing this? And like, um, th- this part of the book actually made me like Dana. I was like, actually, mm. Dana's good. Um, because like, it really sort of highlighted how she's very, very similar to Quoth. Um, yeah. And in the AU where this book is good, like, <laughs> there is an actual effective parallel drawn between how Quoth is, comes from dirt, has nothing, literally walked out of the woods one day. Um, lived in absolute poverty and is just is scrapping to survive. And like Dena is literally doing the exact same thing as Quoth is doing in this book. Yes. She is treating completely on her reputation. She's spreading rumors about herself. She's putting up facade and stuff. And like at that sort of part of the book, everything sort of clicked together. And like, oh, this has potential to be interesting. Um, and like. That there could be like a, a comparison between uh like 
sex work, even if it's like if it's just like sugaring type sex work, and what Quoth is doing at the Aeolian where he's like playing his music and then he has to go backstage and like chat up people and be really nice to them and basically do networking in order to get money. Um so there's a like all that potential is stored in here and nowhere does it seem to be fulfilled. Mm. Uh yeah, I, this you make a good point that I wanted to sort of bring up where especially if you're looking at this from Denna's point of view and it, it actually gets brought up a couple of times in the book where from Denna's point of view Quoth looks to her exactly the way Denna looks to him and she even will complain sometimes cuz he's like ah oh, I can't get a hold on her or whatever and then she's like like I have no reason to not have the same exact opinion of you like you're always disappearing you don't show up you like you have mysterious backstory and everything like that I think it's just an interesting sort of point of view the yeah cuz there's a part where uh Kavoth is supposed to meet up with Dana he literally has a life threatening accident is, ends up in hospital and like the fact that he nearly died is like oh that was the only thing that could stop him from meeting up with Dana <laughs> um, and then like later on Diok is like oh well she she she's she's working she has these time commitments and like maybe that could be a moment where Kvothe like understands has a moment of understanding like oh she's just like me like she's scrapping to survive she doesn't always she wants to meet up with me but she doesn't have time but instead what we're presented with this is the sort of silhouette of a manic pixie dream girl. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, how cool do you think it is that um, the one other like female character in the book besides uh, besides Dana and Auri, who is like a student at the university, very smart, uh, you know, one of the few women that are at the university and her entire, literally the one thing she does in this section of the book is be saved by quote. <laughs> She gets saved by a scrawny 15-year-old boy who, as far as we know, isn't strong at all. But he picks her up, throws her over his shoulder, and takes her out of the burning building. Just mm-hmm. like Lassie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume. I don't it's... know. I haven't seen Lassie. <laughs> so Lassie's a dog. Uh, it does not yeah, have a possible thumb to throw over his shoulder. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, <laughs> with it, 100%. I just freaking love how, like, they make a big point about how there's barely any women in the university, but there are some, Mm. but it's a rarity. And then, like, don't show, like, the women characters be, like, like, how how they are doing at the university, like, at all, besides, like, having occasional Mm. glimpses of, oh, she's working in the fishery okay or even just like yeah well the teacher is being creepy diok mentioning that women can do two things and it's like both of them Uh are degrading it's like you forgot that you go to a university with a bunch of women literally (laughs) just couldn't like you can you 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 know davy you know mola you know ari you know i mean even fucking dead it like nothing no one's doing (laughs) degrading shit to survive yeah, it's 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 also like you know you can you have the pre-written don't have to think about it. I am you know I am with it and under, I am I am the you know the misogyny understander is logged online. Where you just have one you have one of your uh, character your women character you know she's studying late one night and Quoth is like come out for a drink. She says I can't. It's like why can't? And she snaps and it's like because I'm a woman and I have to work twice as hard to get half the respect. That's like the standard fossilized line in which you show that like you understand the plight of women, right? It, of course it doesn't do all that but like that's like the it, it's pre-written right and the um, fact that i'm raising my hand does that happen in the book it, do, I, it doesn't that's what i'm saying like like i'm okay. saying like like pat could even have like just defaulted and done the like you know had one of his women characters snap back 
and go like, no, fuck you, dude. Like, I'm at, I'm at the same university you got into. I went through the same entrance exam. I didn't get fucking whipped my first fucking week, right? Like, I'm doing what's supposed to happen. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You can easily, and you could have the rest of your novel still be problematic and still have horseshit moments. But at the very least, you have one moment where you have one character kind of saying something. And Pat doesn't even give us that. Right? Pat doesn't even give us the, like, the easy to write moment. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really bugs me about the fella thing where he saves her and then she like comes to the bar to uh-huh. like, thank him afterwards with a nice cape. And like it is such a sort of lampshady moment because they have the whole thing where she's like, um, she, she, she literally says, I was like one of those silly girls in those stories my mother used to read me. Mm. I always hated them. I used to ask, why doesn't the, why doesn't she push the witch out the window? Why doesn't she poison <laughs> the ogre's food? Why does she just sit there waiting to be saved? Why doesn't she save herself? And it's like, don't point that out when those are all very valid questions for this exact story. Yeah. Isn't she a yeah. relar? She's a higher rank than him at the uni. Literally. She's like better mm. than him. The fucking like, brothers bothers me so much because like you don't have to do like a incredibly like insightful feminism or whatever you can literally just make her be like Hermione in like the first few Harry Potter books where she gets shit to do like literally just have Quoth also have a female friend at the university that's it, but, yeah but Robin that's a great point you bring up because like you know it's in line with one thing Patrick is interested in this fucking novel. And Patrick, by the way, I'm calling you Patrick because I refer to authors I respect by their last names. Um, first names <laughs> are for authors I have no respect. Um, so, but like one thing that Patrick like constantly like he tells us, he's like, he's interested in the power of stories. What do stories do? Like the fucking Blue Man Group shows up because one story is getting t- too close to the truth or whatever, right? Like there's a power in story. And so we have mm-hmm. a situation which whenever a character in this novel reflects on a story, you know that Pat's done at least a little bit of thinking about that, right? That's We, we can say that safe. Um, and this character mm-hmm. going like, man, I always thought that in a moment of disaster or something that, you know, the strong, you know, if, if, if the woman character was just stronger, like I am, like I saw myself, then she could have done something. Uh Oh, but lo and behold, I found there's actually a truth to the story, and that's women are sniveling little babies who need to say right? Like, like that. So there's this moment that makes it even worse because it feels like what this the lesson she learned was that the stories are right and that women need to say, and like that makes yeah. it all the fucking like sleazier. Yeah, yeah. It's like because he has this exchange with her afterwards where he's like sits with her down in the pub and like looks. Like, looks at her hands, and there's this description of Fella's hands that are, like, they're, like, rough and coarse from working in the fishery. He says, these are not the hands of a maiden, which, fuck that shit, I hate that. But, like, he (laughs) does sit down and, like, chat with her and be like, listen, these are hands that are really capable, and, like, says some things which, again, in the AU where this book is good, could be, like, good, um, like, helpful. Dare I say the word empowering? I hate to say the word empowering in the vicinity of this book. I know. Um, but like, again, like they go through that, they investigate that. It's still bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, oh, I just noticed again about this in my notes, uh, cause Fella also references the play Deonica. Deonica? Is that what it's oh called? Oh my god. <laughs> Which uh-huh. like keeps, that play keeps coming up. And again, pat power of stories, etc., etc. However, it feels less like he's talking about the power of stories 
and more like it's like when you're playing D&D and you want to reference a real life movie so you say like oh have you seen that play Fight Club um it just rule brethren (laughs) (laughs) it yeah um they're just film bros yeah, again, it, it does really make me laugh in this context, though, because he he's there, like she she quotes a line from it, and he's like, "Wait, you know that play? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you play? You made the Star Wars joke, and you got it? Yeah, <laughs> like God, fuck, shit, it is the Star Wars. Oh, War- oh no, Bella's yeah. oh the nerdy girl. I didn't put that together. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. like all my notes on that section yeah. of that, like because he doesn't even do it once. This happens multiple times." Yeah, oh. like Fella and Denna both <laughs> reference Dionica. So, and for, for for any of our listeners who are still kind of fulfilled or still got this far or whatever, I, I want to sort of note one thing that's sort of why it's so frustrating. There are sections of this book, and we've all said it before, that are pads on the back. For me, we, I didn't say it the first section, but what I remember in this book, and I forget what chapter it is, it's just this part where Quoth is in the shop and he's making like these like cool uh, lanterns or, you know, and he's like, you know, slowly getting, getting, he's like debating how much money he's going to make off of them and all this sort of stuff. And like that shit, I like, I like that a lot. But like, how, how can you continue to enjoy those sections in any sort of memory in any sort of moment when they're surrounded by what, what they're surrounded by? Right. Like mm. it, it, it just becomes, it becomes a situation of, I get it. Like I have some problematic relatives that I know. And during Thanksgiving dinner, uh, you know, if they say something weird, I, for the sake of the dinner, ignore it. And we try to focus on better conversations. I do that because they are family and I love them. Why would you give this? Why would you give any of that to a novel by some fucking dude who thinks that the Hobbit remake is 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 like a fucking you know English high schooler going on a porn site or some dude who consistently is just saying shitty stuff? Like, why would you uh, give the grace you'd give to somebody you care about to a novel that's mediocre at best? And that's my like question for for anyone who's kind of coming back to this mm. over and over again. Like, why are they shitting on this? <laughs> Why would you? Why would you read it generously? What has the novel done to make you want to read it generously? To ignore the bad parts? And if you can't answer that, eh, maybe you should. That's my. That's my. That's my fucking. You know. I will say from, English professor uh, like yelling. I will moment. say from what I've heard of <laughs> listeners of because the first episode is out now. We've had. Uh, had a, it was a great success. Uh, we've had some very lovely mm. feedback. Best podcast ever made. We have sixty-nine uh, listens. Saying that, but I will say like. The, Chaz and Ron were, were the only people who were like, fuck yeah, I hate this book. Uh, I will, I'm very excited for this podcast. But everyone else was like, I have no idea what this book is, but I will listen because I like the people who are doing this. Or they were like, and this is maybe even worse. Or they were like, I only know about Name of the Wind from you talking about it a lot and who watches the watch. <laughs> I already know about this from you complaining about it constantly, yeah. which I guess is true for me as well. <laughs> and I, I will chip in with there because I have like a few feedback from people who've listened who said like, oh, like I like that book, but I have a few major issues with it. So I'm excited to like see you delve into that. <laughs> so it's like, ooh. Um, okay, so if we need to, uh, we've been podcasting for an hour and a half. Yeah. An hour <laughs> 40. Um, yeah. Wrap I love up that points. we basically didn't talk about anything that happens in this chapter. I know. Well, nothing does. Nothing There's... does. There's no plot. Mm-hmm. I actually, I had a, I have a lot of notes about capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's a section where Ambrose 
evicts Quoth by becoming his landlord, and Quoth is all like, oh, that's so fucked up that, like, people who just have all this money can just oppress poor people like me. I'm like, okay, keep going. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Could carry on. Say Um, more. Yeah. And there's stuff like... Like, basically, it's the fact that the series is called The King Killer Chronicle, singular, you get one. And yet, Quoth, the very much kind of epitome of, like, working class, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And, like... I gotta take take issue there. He doesn't pull... He was never down. You gotta gotta be (laughs) down to pull yourself up. Like, this dude's fucking posting his W's every day, right? Like, that... Okay, so... Like, I'm slightly poor... Oh, boo-hoo, I was in Tarbine for a moment, but, like, I'm still, like, God King uh, music player and those brilliant guy who can who can leave the Dickens novel really whenever he wants. He just kind of wanted to stay because it's cool, right? Um, like, yeah, sorry, I, I'm with you. I, I agree with you, but, like, yeah, just... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, post, and, post like, there's so much in this book about, like, he, so much of the plot is driven by... Both trying to get money, like he goes to Davy so he can get a loan to continue studying because he needs money. He there's the thing in the fire, and like he doesn't have shoes or a cloak anymore, and like that drives him to oh I need to make more money. The reason he's working like loads and loads of stuff in this book are driven by Kvothe's lack of money. There's the whole noble system, and like none of this stuff like seems he just seems to be like oh this is the way of the world. Um, Ambrose. Which is interesting because like on all his podcast appearances he talks about how invested he is in like creating a financial system in his book or like that's what there's a whole section yeah in the edition i have uh there's like an entire section in the back on the economy and currency in the book there's like several pages okay illustrations (laughs) illustrations okay you got to post Mm -hmm. some yeah i would love to see that we don't have a twitter because then we could like post them from there okay so like okay i can't make a twitter i already have seven alt accounts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah like i would love to see some of those um it's kind of interesting just because most of, of so much of what interests and like i've also seen pat post about uh i think this was on his like facebook i, I saw like years and years ago when i a used facebook b followed pat um where he posted about quotes the like four thousand dollar shirt and like linked an article about like how much a medieval style shirt would actually cost to make how many r's which is something i think a lot about as like a textile producer of things like the it takes like a thousand hours to spin the yarn for the shirt and a thousand hours to weave that into cloth and a hundred hours to make that it's take, take, okay, it will take like six hours to make into a shirt but like and he's like, this is why Kvothe is always scrapping, because this is how much his clothes cost. Because in non-industrialized societies, even though he's the society is pretty fucking industrialized, I mean, he literally works in this magical workshop, which is in the center of industry. Anyway, he like... <laughs> It's fairly clear that he's thought a lot about the econom- econo- economics and stuff. He's, he's, it's fun facts. I mean, there's, it, it, he knows fun facts. There's this 
is I think it's a, not a great take, but it's a funny take of this 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 you know reading of JoJo's where it's like the uh, uh, JoJo's is a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a show uh, where you have cool characters uh, facing up against enemies based upon whatever the author was uh, reading on a Snapple cap that day, right? Like these like fun <laughs> facts about did you know that you know and like th- that's what the, the medieval part of this and it's what you said earlier, Sarah, about that being paper thin, right? It's just these are fun facts. Oh, did you know that you know the shirts were expensive? And you get like that cool little whatever, but it doesn't affect the world. You don't live in a world where it, where it feels like shirts are expensive, right? Where you don't live in a world where like any of these economic uh, factors affect anyone except in the exact moment where it could be worst of all, right? Like it, it's not like these anxieties are acute; they're not chronic. And I'm sorry, you can't you cannot uh, show me a structural problem and then treat it as though all the problems of the structure are acute problems and not. Structural problems, chronic problems, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I do think the JoJo comparison is interesting because th- <laughs> that is also a series that arguably doesn't have any themes <laughs> or isn't like about things. But like, what? But does it? It doesn't pretend to, though. Exactly. <laughs> like that's the one thing, and the other thing is that Araki just has so much earnest enthusiasm for whatever bullshit is uh, he's making the current chapter about that you just kind of can't help but like be along for the ride and that's what like I don't I don't need my books to have thoughtful uh, themes or whatever but like if they don't at least make it fun yeah yeah, yeah. oh these pictures are uh, just posted in the chat reminds me I've played I've played tack which you can buy. The, 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 oh, so, I, have, the I have a couple editions of it. I actually really I like would it. like to play Tuck. And like, it's a really good game, actually. It, 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 it's, it's fine, but it's just like, again, this, this is the, like, not to say, like, I'm not, like, I don't, I don't love it. Um, but, you know, it's a fine game, but it, it, to me, this is another example of this, like, the merchandising around, like, Game of, or uh, Name of the Wind almost feels like at this point more important than the novel itself right yeah it's it's like here, here's how everything goes around here's you know lin-manuel miranda likes it. it's gonna get five editions or what it's like how many three or four editions within it's only been out for 10 years uh fan art all just sort of put in these sort of moments these things get drawn out and how things look and we're gonna put a game you know, a, a spin-off uh board game next to it before the series is even done like there's this line and this is what i have to um i'll, I'll end up this is my final note for the day there's this line from this uh from uh kieran Carson's review of Seamus Heaney's uh, book of poetry North, which is probably Heaney's best. Um, 1972 is when he published it. Published it, and Karen Carson kind of goes like, "Listen, this book or 70, 75, sorry, 1975 is when North was published." But Karen Carson goes, "Look, look, this book. Heaney's my pal. He's my lad. I love him. But like, this book of poetry was preordained to be a success." Heaney already had caught the eyes of a lot of, like, English readers. He became, like, the safe Irish option in the middle of the troubles of this guy who's, like, complaining about colonialism but not too hard, who's kind of, you know, critical of the state but not, like, IRA critical. Uh, and this book and this book was this book was already gonna succeed, right? Uh, and there's reasons for it because he makes the sort of Gaelic, uh, the Gaelic being, the Gaelic self uh, palatable to English-speaking tongues. And he's like, come on, you know, he did it like implores he's like you know my, my boy you know he like do better and you, you owe kind of your people better than that and to me that's like this when i look at this novel after it's been published we're now you know waiting for the third book and you just realize how much this book from its like earliest moments was you know designed and decided to be the, the to be the big thing 
right? Every big name fantasy author that was was you know fell in line and praised it. It got like within ten again, the publishing industry is a long thing to get something famous. George R. R. Martin sat in you know semi obscurity for quite a bit of time before uh, uh, it got popular again, and just that to me, I wonder how much what's happening on the back end of this. What's happening mm-hmm. in the publication rooms? What's happening in the marketing rooms? Who decided that Name of the Wind was going to be the best novel of all time? Because uh-huh. I'll tell you this right now: mm-hmm. the novel itself does not read like the best yeah. fantasy novel of all time. So somebody made this could, fucking decision. You know? I could see like the zeitgeist in like fucking two thousand four <laughs> or whenever this was two thousand eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I could see people be like. Uh, you know, just really charmed by the vibes in this book, I guess. Mm. Uh, and be like, yeah, this is great. I don't know what the fantasy landscape was back then. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I enjoyed it on my first read. It just really doesn't hold up. The pandemic really pushed back his plans mm-hmm. to make, like, a theme park based on the <laughs> Yeah, no. 100%. Like, or- Is that real? <laughs> no. <laughs> but the fun thing you asked... Is the thing I could, I could see it be a thing. I do want to go to the aliens. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, <laughs> like Dan, you said all that, and I'm like, yeah, but I do still want one of the alien mugs. <laughs> I want a good vibe. I want, I want to be around good vibes. And Ooh, the parts yeah, of this yeah. book that are good vibes are great. But you know what happens in the the blah 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 pub? You know what happens in the Aeolian pub? What happens in the Aeolian pub is you get some 30-year-old talking about how hot 15-year-olds are. That's what mm. fucking happens. <laughs> True. Uh, and I don't fucking want that. I'm sorry. That's it's really tough. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Hot I take. Could see like a popular a, opinion here. <laughs> I could see like having and and like I could see enjoying an anime that has like the vibes of this. Like I could see I can't kind of like imagine this visually, you know. And and, and even the fact that the protagonist is like the quote looks like an anime protagonist. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, I I I watched Isekai. I I I enjoy it. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> I just like my last thing I want to say really quick is uh, I came into this recording with a new perspective because I just started rewatching Full Metal, Al- Full Metal mm-hmm. Alchemist oh, Brotherhood. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and good. Ed is literally just good, better quote. Mm-hmm. And I realized his whole quote's whole story arc takes place in like the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be a little bit harder for me to continue the defense squad. But I'm going to do my very best. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's true. They're both atheists. I had the exact same. <laughs> God. <laughs> the Bible read to you in a condescending voice by a gross. Um I had the exact same realization about uh, Wei Wushan um, being yeah. just like, and the novel uh, Modozushi, Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation, being like a better version of Name of the Wind. Not specifically that like Wei Wushan and Kvothe are comparable, but just like the novel deals with uh, stories and notoriety in like an actually interesting way. And like Wei Wushan being someone who's really competent becomes really, really famous and notorious yeah. and hated. And like that actually. But- being investigated in an interesting way. Yeah, like, but the thing about mm-hmm. Wei Wushan is, or, or about Mora Zushi is, is that Wei Wushan is annoying as hell, but everyone is constantly pointing that out. <laughs> like, <he's, laughs> his ass is being, is being got constantly for mm-hmm. being annoying as hell. And that, like, I, I feel, I feel like a bit of that self-awareness is, is lacking from Quoth. Just a bit, Maybe just a Kilvin little bit. For a second, where Kilvin's like, yeah, we know you're good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's like literally the only time though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and here it's more like, you know, uh, oh, you're you're so good at everything uh, and that's annoying. But like, 
it, it, I, I guess in, in, in Morazushi, it's also just like his antics that everyone is like constantly sick of. And I wish people were more sick of Quoth's antics. Yeah. I did yeah. I did like the bit in this where he built the fancy um thief like evil lamp yeah. and was like yeah. this yeah. what are you fucking doing I can't do anything with this you idiot yeah. this I is contraband like I can't sell I will, this I will give a because I, I forgot to do my pat on the back uh <laughs> the, but my pat on the back is gonna be I think it's pretty funny that the main thing they're doing is lamps like <laughs> I think yeah I think it's pretty it's just like wood shop I I like that I like that they're doing lamps specifically like not just like oh one last thing also just the fucking part where uh he like writes his apology to ambrose really got a good laugh out of oh, like the color oh, post yeah. oh i did like I, I did also like how the um uh, professors were like well are you a donkey ambrose <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's um, um yeah I, so i have to i have to go yeah, i just think i didn't to, to, to anyone who's not read this book, both mm. writes a silly little song about Ambrose and it goes viral on SoundCloud. Yeah, that's um. true. <laughs> uh, you all can keep talking. I have to go now, so I'm going to do my sign off. Uh, yep, goodbye, yep. everyone. Uh, I'm not promoting anything of my own stuff, but like I, I promote other good stuff. I brought up Mario Kata's mm. uh, incredible manga slash anime, uh, Oh Maidens in Your Savage Season. <laughs> everyone should watch it. It's incredible. Um, that's, my, that's me. Okay. Um, so goodbye, Dan. Uh, we'll see you next episode. Um, my, I haven't. I realized I haven't done whatever Dan said. We agree with it. Um, we definitely heard it. Yeah. Um, we know exactly what he shouted out. Um, I just want to shout out my pat on the back is the line that Kilvin says. Uh, when he says, "You cannot buy what your own hands build. The time and materials that made it were yours." And I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, poggers." Big moves. Um, have oh, you yeah. had this little book called uh, The Communist Manufa- Manifesto? <laughs> <laughs> Kilvin? Kilvin's comrade. Kilvin's Communist comrade. Manifest. Um, but it, it also it was kind of <laughs> fucked up to me that Kvothe even had to ask that. Like, what the fu- what the fuck do you think, my guy? You fucking made it. It's yours, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it just made me wonder if Pat had ever done any kind of handicraft. Yeah, because you just you just get to keep stuff that you made. My God, you pay for the materials and you do it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I guess it. I guess it's whatever. His like quote has grown up in a society where that was unexpected. I guess like in a better book that could have been commentary, but it just it makes me so bothered that quote is never radicalized. And every like money related issue that bothers him, he's like, ah, this is book three. Ambrose Jackus's personal fault. And not a systemic issue. We said this on our other podcast so that the on. season one of The Watch is going to end with a goblin uh, revolution. Um, mm. And we're still waiting for it, even though the show is probably forever uh, over. But uh, I, I, I will give a prediction for like book three of this, uh, of the King Killer, the King Killer Chronicle. I was going to say quote killer, but that's this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> book three of the King Killer Chronicle is going to have quote finally radicalized and he's going to become communist and it's going to be good. His hair is just, red, yeah. so he's already halfway there. Ah. <laughs> He's going to become part of the Amra commune. Mm. I, listen, it's called the King Killer Chronicle, and yet he has so far shown no inclination that kings <laughs> might not be good. Or even exist in this universe. Yeah. He's going to kill king? one. He's going to kill at least one king. I'm going <laughs> to be gonna... so mad if he doesn't kill a king in book three. <laughs> he kills um, a specific type of penguin. <laughs> 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 um, a really dumb joke. <laughs> God. 
uh, that's that's my final point. I'm ready to wrap up. Um, I have one. I mean, I don't want to get into it now because I think it's it's gonna it's too big of a discussion. The fact that they name um the like STD that you get from oh, yeah. sleeping with the sex workers in the city after the Odemaru is oh yeah loaded to mm. say Interesting. the least. It's um, simply unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But we <laughs> that's a conversation for <laughs> another. It's just two like hours. that that like little comment. I feel like there's a bunch of little things in here that just kind of like go past you at about 69 miles per hour and you just <laughs> got to kind of move on or else you're yeah yeah uh-huh it's <laughs> absolutely yeah um so uh Robin where can people find you on the internet uh, you can find me on Twitter at Diplobrocus, um like if it was a dinosaur but a frat boy um you can listen to my podcast um you can listen to the backlog of fred says fuck which is on soundcloud under fred says fun might be under fuck on soundcloud actually um, <laughs> nice one so it's funk on itunes <laughs> it's funk on itunes uh which is where we do a retrospective uh, Chaz and i do a retrospective of scooby-doo uh i'm sure we'll do another episode at some point <laughs> one day um one day you can also listen to my podcast that i co-host with janosh uh where we uh discuss uh Terry Pratchett books and also the Watch TV show uh, based on those books um, and what we think about it. Um, and if you, well, I was about to say, if you subscribe to our Patreon there, you get to listen to the book that we're writing and the creative process that goes into that. But actually, Janos, you want to do the little announcement? Oh, hey, uh, <laughs> we have a new podcast that you can listen to, which isn't, uh, we're basically releasing our entire Heartspur series uh, for free. Um, still like 15 uh, chapters behind the patreon so you still need to like mm. surprise scrap to the patreon to get the new chapters but like if you uh you know just want to check it out you can subscribe to immortal incantations colon heart spell which heart is spell. what it's called on all podcast apps uh we're gonna start by releasing the prequel chapters or the like origin story of the podcast where we talk about Bella Forest books but pretty soon we're gonna you're gonna hear our pitch session and then the first chapter of the book and from then on it's just gonna the big wheel is gonna keep on spinning big wheel keep on spinning the big wheels keep on spinning like if you think that um this story has uh weird character moments just wait (laughs) I it is genuinely yeah go on from the bottom of my heart I think Heartspell is my favorite podcast at the moment Oh my god. Okay, thank you. I, I love that. Um, I, uh, I may plagiarize it later. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is, and... uh, I will say it is like out of, for a podcast that has, like, I will say out of all our projects, it is the one that up to this point, the least people were, uh, you know, had access to and still had the most, like, uh, how do I, what's Engagement? the word? The most no the most like loyal following i guess like the people who were into it were really into it so make of that what you know cult following cult following yeah (laughs) much like neil breen yeah yes which you can Uh, also listen to on our picture (laughs) uh summer yeah you can find me on twitter at stellar ghost uh check out my avatar last airbender podcast i do with my partner pod cabbages or my pod cabbages and uh what else uh oh yeah by the time this is out I will be on uh, Fear Baiting, the horror movie rewatch podcast, 
um, with some friends of the show watching Signs. I'm going to be recording that later today, so I've yes. <laughs> got a lot of recording to do today, but uh, it should be good. I'm excited to do it. We'll, I'm excited we'll see how it comes it. out. It's the podcast as well. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, this was this was a long one. Um, which I mean, it was the, it was the dinner one. It was always yeah. going to be. Um, and we're talking about two hundred pages pages every week, so it's. I know, I know. Expected. Um, listen, we reserve a right to ignore the parts that are less. Uh, yeah. I will also plug my uh, other podcasts oh, that yeah. uh, Robin hasn't mentioned yet, uh, namely a song of babies <laughs> and puppies, in which we read a song of ice and fire. Currently, a storm of swords up until september at least um so check that out uh, you can also check out lynchpin which is our david lynch retrospective podcast uh we're gonna record the twin peaks season two episode very soon uh, by the time this comes out it's uh, also gonna be out uh what else uh, i'll probably also have been on fear baiting by the time this goes up <laughs> to talk about lady in the water Hell yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I did go on fear baiting last year and talked about the lighthouse. Um, I have never talked about cum so much in my life. <laughs> um, it's a good movie. You should it watch it. It's a good podcast on which, like, everyone who's still on this call has been on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. A great yeah. pod. So it's, it's basically, it's basically the same podcast as this one. Um, I yeah. have been You can also you listen can... to, uh, fucking, uh, podcasting is forbidden in the cloud recesses, uh, by our friends, Roy and Fallon. I'm gonna be an episode of that also yeah, very like, soon. Genuinely, my recommendation is that if you want to read a book that's cut that's like just has the same thing themes as name of the wind but is actually good then modazushi is the one to read yeah god he also like, be playing that instrument he, he got a flute he's a bard he's a he's a bard um yeah i have my Yu-Gi-Oh podcast pod of greed and i also have my naruto podcast never believe it um which is a good podcast and that's it and you can find me on Twitter at Sarah McCostumes. I have gotten a job, so I will probably not really be posting for the next four months. Um, see, you'd think that, but yeah. I work forty hours a week, and I can't seem to stop posting. It's a disease. <laughs> yeah, I unfortunately I know that I will actually be very busy for twelve hours a day when I'm when I'm listen. The film industry is a terrible place, but I would like to make a movie. So, mm-hmm. off we go. <laughs> <sighs> Memento Sarah Mori. <laughs> Damn. Uh, rip to Dan's internet also. Let's pull one out for that. Yeah. <laughs> F in the chat for Dan's internet. Yeah, also, once again, call to action. If you want us to do a season two, um, block Patrick Rothfuss on Twitter, post a screenshot with the hashtags, quote, hashtag quote killer season two, hashtag Wiseman's Fear season. I just did it. Um... <laughs> <sighs> All right. Let's get going, gamers. <laughs> <laughs>